Hello, all of you Bulletproof Marketer fans out there. It's your host, Christopher Tompkins, and you are listening to one of our classic BPM episodes. So I hope you enjoy. Everybody and welcome to the Social Marketing Academy. I am your host, Christopher Tompkins. Um, really, really excited. I'm always excited, but I'm that type of guy. Um, very excited about our guest today, Trish from Team. Uh, she is my go-to marketing and advertising uh, go-to um, is in my network. So I'm really excited to uh, introduce you to her and answer some of those questions that you have been posing. So more about Trisha in a minute, but what I want to talk to you all about is thanking you first off uh, for listening to our um, wonderful podcast. Um, I've gotten some really fantastic uh, feedback on our team of experts that I've been introducing over the last few months. Uh, It's been um, really, really fantastic feedback and I really appreciate it. Um, Again, if you have any topics that you'd like to have covered or you have a question, is Facebook group marketing something I should be looking into is email out what's the right email marketing cadence. I have people in my network that can answer all those questions if I cannot answer them myself. And I want to bring them to you. Uh, I have so, so many different people that I go to for, um, for advice. Why not bring them right here? So that's what the Social Marketing Academy is all about. So please, please, please get in touch with us. Go to our website, gosalesandmarketing.com and fill out the contact form, email me, do the chat, whatever. Everything that goes on on that website will get back to me at some way, in some way, shape, or form. So let me know. Do you have questions? Do you have a topic that you'd like to cover? Just let me know. Or are you perfect for being a guest? Please use the forms, let me know, and let's talk. Uh, so let's go into, uh, also there's an e-course on the website, pop up, fill that out, check out our blog, check out past shows on our podcast page. But let's move over to um, just going through more about Trish. Trish Thomas, um, she's fantastic. Um, I'm really excited to answer some of the questions that you guys have posed. You you put some really good questions for her. Um, Let me just tell you a little bit more about her. She's the CEO of Team, and that's Team, not E-A-M, it's T-E-E-M. I'm gonna ask her about that spelling. Um, And she's the strategic lead of the agency, a woman after my own heart. Um, Team is a full-service boutique agency built on a creative community where Trish and her team assemble and manage high-performing specialists around each client's brand. She has a diverse corporate background and holds a BS in computer information systems as well as an MBA in management and strategy. Um, At Team, she and her team are challenging the status quo in advertising and reimagining the way teams work together to deliver great creative. She's passionate about, they're passionate about leveraging the right talent on complex collaborative initiatives. And uh, so much more that she is going to tell us about on this interview. So I'm gonna bring Trish in right now. Um, you guys posed some really interesting questions. So I'm, I'm really interested to see um, what Trish is going to say. So, hey, Trish, welcome to Social Marketing Academy. Hey, Chris, to be here. Yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm really excited to uh, dive into some of these questions that people have posed uh, to you. 
directly. I, I love I love that we have this hour together to do like some free consulting for, for people out there that are listening. Um, but you know, just to get everyone a little bit better acquainted with you and your company, can you just tell us a little bit more about yourself? Absolutely. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm currently the CEO and owner at Team. Um, we're a full service marketing and advertising agency in, in Denver, Colorado. And uh, we run on a freelance model. So um, we have a, a fantastic creative community that keeps us rolling. And uh, aside from that, I have a, a long history in, in corporate and also in uh, fast track growth consulting. So pretty broad marketing strategy and communications background across small business, large business, uh, kind of runs the gamut. So yeah, I'm really excited to hear what your what your audience wants us to talk about and, and just dive in. So, okay, first questions first. And I, I said this before I brought you on. Um, T-E-E-M. Why that yeah. spelling of the company? It's interesting. Um, we our, our brand was Atomic 20 previous to Team. And uh, after a few years of running on our model, we realized that it wasn't very representative of what we do. Um, and so we liked that tie to team, obviously, T-E-A-M, which is how we roll, um, but also kind of teaming creative talent around clients' challenges and uh, coming up with great solutions. So that's what really drove the, the new moniker for the agency. Yeah, and I think it's very fitting, um, especially because I know how you do work with your clients. It's it, it, it's it's a collaborative effort. So, so yeah. Um, but just wanted to share that with the audience. So, first question that we had, kind of coming out of the um, box, is a pandemic-related question. I mean, obviously, we know that this has been going on um, around us yeah. for quite some time for everyone. Yeah, um, it's very interesting. Um, it's interesting because a lot of the attitudes of clients. I mean, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if you've experienced this. Yes, you have experienced this. Um, clients that are very usually very normal and uh, level have been a little bit kind of topsy turvy. Um, so that's on the client management side of things. But what what changes are clients demanding of agencies during the pandemic? And kind of like, what, how, are you know, you, how are you guys responding? Sure, sure. Um, it's definitely been an interesting time. I've felt very blessed because I think team has probably fared better than some of my colleagues that were very, you know, didn't have a very diversified client base and were maybe heavily in travel, hospitality, restaurant, you know, those, those areas have really been challenged. Um, I think having some diversity to our client base has helped us. And, and also to your point earlier, Chris, just the collaborative nature of our relationships with our clients. We've tended to get pulled into some of their strategy and budget decisions rather than excluded. Mm -hmm. um, and having that seat at the table to try to understand how to overcome the challenges and deliver ROI on maybe a leaner budget or tighter project deadlines and things like that has been pivotal to success um, with our client accounts. But what we're seeing in terms of client demands are obviously people don't know what's coming. So, you know, they're, they feel like their crystal ball is off or they don't trust it. Yeah. And so they're, they're less willing to commit to long-term timelines, time to detailed plans. I think there's a bit more nimbleness and agility and flexibility that's being demanded of agencies. And we're having to dive into work sometimes not knowing necessarily where that project or that budget is gonna land in three or six months. Um, and so that's definitely um, been coming into play where we're looking at shorter commitments, 
obviously leaner budgets um, and, and clients kind of pivoting on the fly, which of course puts pressure on our own team to um, be agile. Now, a question for you is, uh, and I kind of, I know what my answer is. Do you feel that clients have been open or are focused on different services than normal or uh, that they have been kind of more open-minded to explore new opportunities in the last kind of like the last year or so? Yes. I mean, I, I think that they have, um, you know, I think it's cracked the shell open, hopefully in some good ways, long-term. Um, what we found challenging is that we have clients that are sometimes wanting to dabble with this, test that, pilot that, and how cheaply can we do it and see if we get results. <laughs> yeah. It's really challenging. It's like, you know, you're asking us to do something completely new you've never done before and you want us to do it with five grand. Um, so, so that's been kind of challenging. But I think to your point, um, the open-mindedness, the willingness to maybe think outside their traditional plan, their, their tactics that they've historically deployed or the channels they've relied on um, is probably going to be a boon for a lot of brands in the future. I completely agree with you. I, I, I kind of coined it as like the refocusing revolution. It's kind of basically everything that we've had on the shelf um, that we've said, oh, this is an amazing service. Oh my God, this is this has so much legs. And then you bring it to a client and they're just like, that's too much to understand. I don't really want to deal with that right now. Let's, 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 let's I, I'm busy. Let's do this later. So and then over the last year, I feel that everyone's been like, Hey, remember when you were talking about that? Can we kind of look at that again? And um, one of the things that we've been seeing a lot is um, at TikTok, which is one of the things that is um, for our agency, it's not necessarily a, it, the challenge that we have is explaining how a client and a brand can utilize it. But yeah. that I, I would say that if we were, if the pandemic didn't happen, 2020 didn't even exist, which would be wonderful, wouldn't it? But um, I, I, I don't know if people would have been willing to go into TikTok or go into these new forms of, of, of marketing. They would, like a lot of people are, are, are really interested in kind of like a creature comfort, so, much, so, so to speak, you know right. what I mean? And um, they don't want to kind of like think outside of the box. Like video marketing has been the, the, the next upcoming trend for like 20 years. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and then like, and then I got, I think what, the, the the signifier to me was when I got a call from a client and they said, uh, a prospective client, and they're like, yeah, um, so we're interested in YouTube, Facebook. And I was like, oh my God, you said YouTube first. Yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> and it really, it, like I, I, I kind of hung up with that, hung up, hung up from that sales call. And I was thinking to myself, wow, things are shifting. Like yeah. people are thinking about different things. And I think that it's smart, right? You have to be agile in this environment, but it is. It is. And some some digital tactics, just by virtue of us, you know, screen time increasing, um, kind of that blending of of personal life and work life that's going on right now with work at home and and all of those trends. Um, it's opening, I think, some unique opportunities to leverage some digital tactics that might actually not have been as effective for traditional brands um, a year ago. But now um, they've got a portal into their audience and their audience is responding to different media in different ways um, mm -hmm. than they were initially. So I think that open-mindedness is really, like I said, gonna benefit brands if they're willing to take some of those forays into new territory and trust us a little bit to do our job, right? Yeah, and I, and, and, and I think that like anyone that is listening to this or watching this, like if you are willing to experiment and you're willing to be a little bit flexible 
and organically move through your campaign and kind of with a different through a different lens, you will reap so much benefits in this environment. Yeah. And um, I, I would say, as a brand myself, I made some changes, and the last year was fantastic. And I, I mean, I don't want to say it's fantastic I'm, and, and, and be boastful, but... That's a good thing, though, Chris. Honestly, I think, you know, we should want each other to succeed. Like yeah. I said, I um, sometimes it does feel a little bit um, wrong, I guess, air quotes. Yeah. Um, to, you know, to be talking about things that are successful or things that are working and, you know, what's um, kind of in the broad story arc of society, a dark time right now. Um, but we need to celebrate those successes. I mean, this is a time to lift each other up. So I'm thrilled to hear that. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's, it, I think that it was, for me, it was a refocusing of our agency onto, uh, not refocusing back to the human elements of things, but really re just laser focusing in on people's where they are. So we, we were looking at target audiences 18 to 25 female lives in California. We're not, we're, we're actually like, okay, great. That's the target market. What do they feel right now? How can we emotionally appeal to that audience? And I think that that pivot really bode, bode well for us and also for our clients because the clients were like, I don't know if I really want to talk about this type of thing. It's like, it's, how could you escape it? I mean, people wake up and doom scroll for like, yeah. I mean- For an hour before they do anything else. It's crazy. Exactly. Um, you want to be disruptive, put a positive spin on the current climate and, you know, there's, there's ways of handling it. There are. No, I agree. We've really um, had a couple of trends emerge with kind of the work we were doing with our clients. Um, in the same vein that, that you were talking about last year, um, we got much more strategic, like you said, the why, trying to look at the psychographic, um, you know, traits of their audiences, um, their target personas, much more than the demographic traits, um, because I think we've seen that really assert itself, especially in a digital environment where, um, you know, kind of where people are aligning on the inside is mattering a great deal more than how they're lining up on the outside. And we've started to lean into some kind of emerging tactics like narrative design over traditional brand storytelling and brand yes. positioning, which to your point, much more emotional, much more tied into where people are at and much more helping them interact with a brand story instead of just kind of getting, you know, pragmatic features, benefits, pricing shoved at them in a very push communication um, format. Yeah, I think also it's one of the things that we uh, we were seeing a really big growth, well, obviously that stopped really quickly, was geo-targeting. Um, and everyone was putting all of their money in that bucket. And yeah. we always say, buyer beware, all eggs in one basket is never a good idea. Marketing is a whole wheel. There's lots of different spokes. There's lots of different things you have to hit. And what's happening with, with geotargeting? Well, there's the traffic is too low for it to really like, like we, we, we would be able to um, draw a perimeter around a GNC and then market that for a supplement company. That's not as valuable anymore. And for how many months out of the year did that kind of fall off? 
Right. Well, and with, you know, online ordering and delivery services and things like that proliferating, a lot of the traditional boundaries, even for, you know, brick and mortar locations that are still open, um, the rules have changed. Um, I mean, the, the, the margins of the sandbox have moved dramatically for a lot of companies. So yeah, really interesting observation on geo-targeting. Yeah. Um, okay. So another question from the audience, um, what recommendations can you give to brands as they communicate about the pandemic, social justice and politics? Mm. Yeah, that's been interesting. And we do, um, quite a lot of PR and, and communications for our clients and storytelling and content marketing as well, which all kind of bleeds into those topics naturally. Um, I mean, one of the things we've really focused on, and you kind of hearkened to this a few minutes ago, um, is authenticity. Um, being very candid about where your brand stands, what you believe in, um, what you're doing to make the situation better and not worse, um, whether that is around social justice or politics or just the general, you know, impact of the pandemic on people's communities and customer bases. Right. Um, I think that authenticity is really important that whatever you say, it needs to not come from a place of spin and it needs to come from a place of, um, you know, what really aligns with your values, your mission, what you stand for as, as a brand. Um, I think another thing that's been kind of neglected and we've worked with some of our clients on is internal communications, um, which has been interesting to address. But for a lot of companies, you know, you've got your own front lines, you've got your own customer service reps, sales force, administrative team that are interacting with your suppliers, your partners, your customers every day. And if they're feeling anxious, if they don't know how to respond to questions, if they're not feeling supported, um, that negativity and that confusion is going to translate, you know, into your your marketplace, um, your personal marketplace, really quickly. So we've been working with a lot of brands to help them take care of communications with their own internal team, make sure that you know their entire staff and ecosystem is feeling supported and informed and and ready to go, and then that kind of translates organically into what customers are experiencing. Um, And we've also, I I guess the third point I would make in in regards to that is really looking at a hard pros and cons analysis around, do you wade into some of those fraught conversations around the political environment, around equity, around social justice? Um, And for a lot of clients, um, unless there has been a, a, a need to do so, a driver, or a really intense emotional motivation to do so on the part of the leadership. Um, Honestly, we've encouraged people to just stay out of it, that unless they have a distinct point of view and a motivating trigger, keep business and personal a little separate. So just kind of some some trends that have arisen in our own client work and and how we've been recommending that brands respond. Okay, love this because, okay, number, number one, Authenticity right now is what is selling. And I, I think that showing your real, true, authentic self, not this, come on, let's be honest. We all know that below this frame, we're wearing PJs. Like we all know, everybody knows when we go on this, it's it's business up top, party down the bottom. Yeah. So be we, we know this. So 
being authentic across the board is something that is really um, engaging to individuals right now across the board. So if you are being authentic, it's easy to engage your audience because you're being truthful. And I think this is one of the things that I really, I struggle with, um, I struggle sometimes really helping a client harness because they will say, well, this, this, this seems a little bit too casual for my message, or this doesn't seem like, this seems like a sweater when I want it to be a three-piece suit kind of message, right. you know what I mean? And, uh, and I always say, well, this is what your audience is feeling right now, and this is where you have to meet them. So this is a different world. We have to, we have to kind of change our messaging strategy. And that's where they say, like, I have clients that will like, should, should, I, should I comment on what's going on out there? Um, and, I, and I say the exact same thing. What do you have to say about it? And like, well, I don't, I don't, I, 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 oh, if you're saying, if you're saying a bow more than twice to me, we're done. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. If you I, hear I, the not, stutter preceding your, yes, your statement, you already have a problem. Yeah, you want to talk about racial inequality and you're going to be stuttering? No, we're, we're going to kind of like maybe table this or not have, um, we have one of our, one of our clients is um, focused around giving back to women's charities. And one of the things that they say is like, well, yeah, we'll just give a proceed to like a woman's charity. And I said to them, no, it's going to be an exact percentage to this exact charity because that is authentic. Right. Um, but one thing that you did say that I wanted to kind of like draw out, and it's something that's interesting, Trish, that I, I've been seeing with a lot of the um, shows that we've been doing is internal communications has been a big topic. Yes been a very big topic not because it hasn't been a big deal before i mean right. gosh i've done so many i've done marketing consulting with so many different companies where their internal communication is like <laughs> but um the uh one thing that i i want to share with you this is interesting i was on linkedin the other day and someone was a it was a recruiter for a company it was a tech company and they were recruiting the people that were exactly how they were uninformed people that felt uneasy about their jobs and didn't know how to answer the questions. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Why didn't I think of that? That's like such a great idea. Because it was basically pointing out exactly what you said. Everyone in your, in your organization needs to have the messaging strategy correct. Right. And um, I just, I thought it was brilliant advertising. It was kind of like, do you feel, are you asked, what was it? Are you asked more than two questions a day that you can't answer? Uh -huh. It was like, it was perfect. And I, I mean, I don't know. People understand, you know, that when their staff is under the gun like that, and to your point, yeah. they don't understand what the company's message is. They can't reinforce kind of a scripted yeah. position that everybody's aligned behind. Um, they're super uncomfortable in the position they're being put in day to day. Um, it just, it creates a negative vibe in, in their interactions with everyone on the outside. And so, you know, I think that strength, that authenticity, that um, alignment, you know, that everyone can have on behalf of, of a company or a brand, um, that comes from the inside, you know, and that comes from the top down. It, it has to be consciously nurtured sometimes. And to your point, a lot of companies have skated by for a long time, just not dealing with their culture, not dealing with their internal communications, Correct. just being hyper-focused on, on external pushing. Um, of narrative and, and it's really time to look inward now and, and make sure that the core is solid, you know, because if it is, it translates, it really does translate. And I think one thing I want to add to this is that 
we both agree that internal communication is more than an inter-office email. Yes. That is not your full strategy because I've had, I've, I've talked to um, people before, um, friends, net, uh, my network, clients, past clients, and said, you know, this is something you need to get in front of. You need to talk to your staff. And I was like, oh, we have our communication strategy. Send Outlook email. And it's kind of like, no. There's, yes. that, there's a lot of culture that needs to be kind of like wrapped around that messaging strategy. Mm -hmm. um, to make them feel comfortable. There is, there is. Okay, so um, another thing is, what do you feel are the greatest challenges that agencies are facing nowadays? Uh, you know, I really see a, a handful of things that are, are challenging us. I guess I can only speak from kind of my and my own yeah. ecosystems perspective, obviously. Um, but, you know, one of them really is this shift from um, long-term retainers, integrated scopes to kind of project work. Um, and granted, the projects tend to flow into each other and, and, and merge and, and clients will have you doing a lot of different things across a lot of different channels. But um, that kind of disconnection uh, of all the, the marketing tactics um, back to some core strategy and plan and clients kind of lurching around and chopping budgets and scopes up has been a challenge. Um, to your point earlier, when, when you were saying, you know, marketing isn't one thing. If you have all your eggs in one basket, you already have a problem. You know, it is an integrated landscape. It's complicated. Things work together and reinforce each other in very interesting ways. And that's how you really get to the good stuff, to the, the strong right. ROI, right? That's where the magic happens. And so when clients strip that ability to kind of strategize and plan across channels or to look long term um, at, at how you can build a foundation maybe for something that will, will really perform strongly in the future, um, it hampers our ability sometimes to do our job. I understand why clients are, are pivoting in that direction. I understand the um, kind of negative energy around AORs and, and you know, spend and, and massive long-term commitments people can't get out of. I'm not blind to that. But I think there's a middle ground somewhere in there where I hope the pendulum swings back mm -hmm. a bit more toward um, integrating things with a, a single or a handful of, of collaborative partners, um, being willing to commit for things for the long haul um, and let them play out, um, and being willing to look at marketing as the integrated map that it is um, instead of a straight line um, in one channel. So that's been one. And you know, you never like when people cut your budgets, Chris, and that's just been happening. You know, can you do exactly the same thing for 20% less? Because I would really love that. And it's like, you know, we would love to do exactly the same thing for 20% more. So, um, but that's been the reality also. And just trying, really trying, because we care deeply about our clients and we want to help them get through this. So, you know, jokes aside, I get where they're coming from. But yeah. it's really hard to get tasks by 10 different clients in a quarter to, can you do the same thing for 20% less? And so I guess I would just encourage the clients out there listening um, to, uh, to recognize the impact of some of those decisions on your agency partner's ability to deliver for you. Um, yeah. I, I mean, you're, I mean I'm, I'm feeling everything that you're saying deeply <laughs> uh, because one of the things that uh, 
I, I mentioned it quite often when I when we're doing um, interviews is that if you're working with an agency, anybody out there that wants to engage an agency, understand that you are already getting a deal when you engage the agency. Okay, you're going to get a team of people working for less than one person's salary per month. Now, understand that, and these people are we're, we're experts at what we do. So. What would you have to do to get an expert of our caliber? And we've cultivated teams. We've had, we have track records, we have case studies, we have everything in place to prove exactly what our work is to you. But you can go on ZipRecruiter and interview 65,000 people and then find out, oh, well, there's a, there's a, oh, they're young, they should know marketing. No, <laughs> that's not how it works. <laughs> Sorry. So, and guess what? I, you don't have to be in my health care my team's healthcare. I do. I'm an agency owner. I have to pay that. So I have no that. No equipment fees. You don't have to see them every day. We know what we're doing. There's no training. There's no onboarding. I can keep going for vendors if you want. So this is one of the things that I always, I always want people to understand. They're like, oh God, an agency that's like a $3,000 or $6,000 a month retainer. Oh my God, I'm going to make you move so much faster than anybody right. else could internally. Um, depending on what you're engaging with, really. It's a, it's sure, a website sure. design. I mean, this is, this, that's Trish. Uh, not me. No, no website designer. No, no likey. No likey website designing. Um, but uh, but it's, it's, it's one of those things that uh, it's, I, I always feel that, and also um, another thing that drives me crazy too, and I'm, I know you're going to feel this pain point. Um, can we get started like immediately? Um, and so so uh, why do we have to have this whole onboarding thing? Like, what, why is it taking so long to get started? We have to understand who you are. Right. We have to know you. I mean, I, thank you. I looked at your website. It's not selling you the right way. I mean, because, I mean, how many clients have you ever started work on that their target audience is way over here? And this is what they're giving you. Um, so it's, I think when you're engaging with an agency, you have to understand that it, a long-term investment is something that is really super important. You can't just say, oh, I can't really commit to six months. Can we just do a month to month? I am not an efficiency apart. Right. 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 I, I, how am I in 30 days? I'm, I, we're, we're, we're ready. Like literally, if you had an employee that came in in 30 days, you, you would still be dating that employee. You're married <laughs> after 30 days with our agency. Right. So right. It, it's it, it, knowing that engagement and then talking about budget cuts. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm on a soapbox right now. We don't know if anything says. Preach, preach. But, but the, the, the budget cuts because of uncertainty. Follow your agency fleet. Because what our goal is, listen to this, folks. This is the truth. If you're not successful, you're going to go somewhere else. So what do we want to do? We want to make you successful. Is spending money going to be successful? If we think it is, and we're going to create wins for you, that's what we're going to suggest. Yes. We're not saying like, oh, wow, I'm falling on hard times. Um, how can I upsell this client on these things? We're going to give you things that are actually useful for you. That's why Absolutely. you hire us because we're friends. We're, we're family. Like I say to, um, with the Go Agency, I say that we, I want to be considered your marketing department down the hall. I don't want to be this freaking agency in Florida that does all your marketing. Then, then we're the Florida marketing agency, which is like a, like a pimple. You know what I mean? I don't want to be the pimple. I want to be family. And uh, so, yeah, so understand that 
when we are suggesting things, they are in your best interest. We're not trying just to make money. And if you do feel like that's the case, we're, we're maybe not the right fit. <laughs> you know, maybe there's a fit issue. Yes. No, I mean, truly, I think that, um, you know, th there's a bit of a combative culture has just arisen between brands and their agencies that um, has been kind of sad to me. Um, we really view ourselves as partners. We're incredibly invested in how our client companies do. And to your point, it's not simply self-serving. There's, a, I mean, our clients are our friends. We care about these brands. We've built a lot of these brands from the ground up from before they were even launched. We have very long-term relationships with a lot of our clients. And um, so I agree with you that openness to new ideas, to spending strategically, um, where it makes sense and where it's likely to deliver ROI, um, having some trust and some faith that we're all on the same page, that we're pulling on our oars in the same direction is incredibly helpful. And, and a lot in the way you function, we're the same. We're an extension of our clients' um, yeah. internal marketing teams frequently where we're we're talking to them every day. We're, we're really collaborating on things together. And that kind of symbiotic um, objectives aligned relationship, wow, it can be so powerful and it can be so healthy. Um, and that's what we really like to nurture. And so some of those trends that we're seeing play out on the client side right now are actually working against their best interest, which I hate to see. You know. I agree with you. And you were saying earlier about these pivot points where it's like turning on a hair. And I, I, I liken this to, it's almost like a microcosm of the old thing that happened, the old trope, so to speak, that all marketing agencies understand, which is the CEO or the owner going to a conference, learning about a new topic, coming back and tasking somebody to just buy that. Right. That service. And then we have it and we're talking to somebody who doesn't understand anything about what's going on, but my boss told me that I need this. And it's so much of that because everyone, we're so close to everything now. Right. So it's it's kind of like, oh, hey, I just, um, and, and you are not alone. I get emails all the time from clients saying, I just saw this on this email. Here's the email. Can we do this? Um, no, you can't because that's going to take a lot of money, which you don't have. And your budget, we it's going to it, it's going to set us back X amount of time and this that and the other. Like people even just saying like, hey, um, and your TikTok's really big. Um, and, and the ads are this is what kills me. The ads are really cheap. Can we do it? I'm like, well, you're not. There gonna might be a reason those ads are so cheap. They <laughs> might not perform at all, um, <laughs> which actually makes them quite expensive. So to, yes, to your point, you really have to look at what's right for the client, their unique situation, their budget constraints, their goals, um, and, and put together a package that's actually pragmatic and that's driven with the end result in mind. Um, and I, I couldn't agree more, yeah, that uh, the demand, hey, why don't we try X? Um, the open-mindedness is good, but I think people really need to hone the tip of the arrow and look at what's right in their unique situation, not what's trending hot. Um, How do you respond to that when a client will, will, will throw you a curveball and really lean into that curveball? Do you kind of, do you entertain it in a way that you can set it into the campaign? Do you put it off? 
to the future? How do you handle it usually? Yeah, we usually do a little cost benefits analysis for starters. We say, hey, cut us loose, you know, with, with a few hours to outline for you what this could look like, what some of the alternatives are. If we, if we deployed X dollars here or here or here, um, how do we anticipate it would perform? And then why are we making the recommendation we are? What insights can we distill from that cost benefits analysis? Because truly our goal isn't to just say yes to everything a client asks for, that's not healthy or to say no, just to be an obstructionist and stay in our lane. Um, we don't want to do either. We want to partner with them to make shrewd strategic decisions that are gonna deliver. And so we usually start with trying to do an assessment of does this actually make sense or not in a very lean, you know, cost-effective yeah, way that doesn't waste time. And then we can make an informed decision instead of just lurching around after the latest Forbes article or, um, you know, yeah, something somebody's buddy tweeted out. Um, that's not a way to put together a marketing strategy. Um, and yeah. usually if we can pull them back and if we can supply some data, so it's not just, oh, our gut instinct is not to do that, but no, look, here's a, you know, data point comparison. Um, they'll, they'll move in the right direction. So I, I think a lot of it is, is, you know, trying to steer the ship. Um, what do you and, want, just to kind of, I'm, sure. I'm very interested. The, when clients come to you with these like hair up their butt ideas, mm -hmm. um, how many of those do you actually execute, like in a percentage? Like, do, do, do you disprove most of them or where yeah. do you land on that? I would say, and this is, this is just totally kind of intuitive because we don't have a metric on it. We oh, haven't been measuring that, yeah. <laughs> but that's a new metric. Um, but I, I would guess it's <laughs> something else to track, right, Chris? Uh, drive ourselves crazy. A new dashboard. Um, yeah, I think I would guess it's probably 25%. I think there's a handful of times where it makes sense. Um, and it's something that we can weave in in a creative way. And it actually is a great idea. And it does align. Um, but I'd say, you know, three times out of four, uh, it, it ends up being a no. It's cost prohibitive. It's too early. Um, you know, a lot of our clients, um, they don't want to be the great experimenters. Um, they at least want to draft off of, you know, somebody else's success. Um, and, and so a lot of those factors come into play. And usually once you outline that on paper and you put some numbers behind it, people get it. They, they understand whether it's rational or just, a, like you said, they got to be in their bonnet. They saw something cool and got overexcited. Yeah, and I think it's, it's, it's <clears throat> clients should never feel prohibited to share information with you. Like Never. we constantly share everything that they feel. And our goal is to see where it fits. If it's a square peg in a round hole, you just it's, it's, explain why that is. And showing metrics is the way to go. And I think that how I usually kind of explain it to my clients is that I am not the gorilla glue or the duct tape of marketing. I am creating a strategy. And what basically I'm creating a delicious meal for you. And all of those little tactics that you want us to put are the seasoning that can go on the meal. And sometimes you can over season them. And I think that it, it really is the truth. <clears throat> and I, I think that there's lots of, and I think sometimes when a client makes a suggestion, I would think to myself, okay, it's not going to work for you, but it's interesting that you're thinking that way because it helps me understand how I can present new things to yes. the client and their openness. Um, unless it's a, my buddy tweeted this out and here, here, I'm passing this over to you. And it's like, okay, thanks. 
So I have to figure out how your buddy was thinking about this and how it's right. going for you now. Um, so here's another question for you. What opportunities exist that you are going to focus on um, and capitalize on this year? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that there are some unique challenges and some unique opportunities for small brands. Um, you know, for instance, you know, brick and mortar mom and pop operations to switch to a more e-commerce, you know, digital model. Um, so I, that's an opportunity. And we actually have a few clients that have come on board in the last year that are already there with us for that reason. Um, they were able to rely on foot traffic. They were able to rely on word of mouth. Um, they were selling a lot of products, you know, direct to people coming in their door. And so they're amping up their web presence. They're turning on digital ads for the first time. They're, you know, launching maybe auto ship or subscription services for the first time. That's been really exciting. And I see that as a great opportunity for agencies to, you know, kind of niche in to that area where people are pivoting their business models in a foundational way. And I think if if you can be smart and lean and strategic and how, how you help them deploy on, you know, and execute those shifts, um, that that's a really unique opportunity. Um, yeah. And I think kind of to, to where we started um, the conversation, there are some sectors that are doing really well too. Um, you know, if you're, if you're selling certain PPE or healthcare equipment, if you're selling sanitizer, if you're, you know, a cleaning service, if you're, we act like every sector's down, but there are some, some areas that are really thriving. And I think for some of us that have expertise in those, you know, those kind of, um, those areas, it's really a unique opportunity to lean into them and maybe even do some cold outreach. So those are some of the things that we're looking at. You know, where does our model fit? Where does our unique expertise fit? Where does the marketplace have a distinct need that we're uniquely positioned to fill? And then how do we let those people know we're here? So that's kind of what team is focused on this year. So um, what, what have you found like over like the last six months or so, or, or 2020, whatever, um, what have you found is the number one thing that you requested to work on by a prospective client? That's an interesting question. I think it really has been around um, communication and content. I think a lot of people yeah. are trying to capture, you know, the, those extra hours we're all spending on screens right now and figure out how to get their piece of that pie. And so I've found that we're doing a lot more, it kind of runs the gamut from brand, you know, storytelling refreshes to creating really cool blog posts and native advertising campaigns that might be more informative, you know, instead of just display ads to, you know, PR and things like that, you know, that are, are more direct. Um, but it, a lot of it is around communication, thought leadership, content creation, captivating, you know, the audience and holding their attention on something that's important. And I would say that across all the, the work that we're doing right now, that thematic, compelling storytelling is the core, you know, it's kind of the sacred center of what's going on right now. That makes me so happy. Because, <laughs> well, no, because I'm a, I'm a marketing nerd, right? So yeah. marketing nerds love statistics and dashboards and all that stuff we talk about but like we also like to gain success through my, our message and it's so nice to hear that people are coming and talking about their message they're talking about their content they're trying to come up with who am I going to be when I grow up it's kind of it, it's it's really nice to see that as opposed to um yeah I need to throw some uh, 
gasoline on this fire? I mean, how many times has someone said that to me on a sales call? <laughs> and I immediately go on and click. But yeah. the, uh, <laughs> exactly. yeah, obviously the, the conversation enters for me as gasoline. I want to put some gasoline on this fire. My target market is anybody that's breathing. And um, what's your goal? To make money. Right. Those are usually the, because, um, you know, we, we like the why. And it's nice that people are coming to you and kind of focusing on the why. I kind of like that. But I think, you know, you mentioned it, it earlier in the, our conversation that um, when we talk, we're talking about authenticity yeah. and we really did have clients come to us frequently that, you know, felt that everyone on planet earth was their target audience. There were absolutely no demographic constraints, um, you know, purchasing power constraints, geographic constraints. My product is for every man, um, which Hashtag adorable. Yes, <laughs> to the audience, that is never true. Um, but, but um, you know, I, we've really seen people acknowledging, I think, that there's a community of people that are aligned around some ideas right. that they can speak to directly. And um, it's funny, I had a friend that used this phrase with me a couple of weeks ago, there's riches in the niches. And I think we are seeing that right now in terms of yes. consumption. Yes. That is, you hone in on things that are important to people. Um, you capture their attention, you build brand equity, you raise your visibility, and you start to build that bond of trust um, that really drives conversion and loyalty and things like that that are incredibly powerful in the long term. And so I'm like you, I'm thrilled to see clients opening up to um, more niche audiences, more specific messages and topical kind of um, narrowing. And um, just acknowledging that every single person out there on the internet isn't their guy. Um, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, that drives, the target market thing drives me crazy. Um, and, but it's, it's one of those things where it drives me crazy because I know that I'm gonna be able to prove them wrong and I don't wanna prove people wrong. I want to work with them and refine things rather than saying like, this is not the way to go. But if someone says that, it says my market target market is anybody that's breathing, and then they said, name three of your top clients, impress me. Oh, bye. Um, but uh, yeah, we've all been there. So, uh, but no, it's it's really interesting because I feel that the, one of the trends that I've been seeing is that I, I feel that the clients are coming to me with more headspace for things. They're a little more emotional because we all are. Um, but. I feel that they're coming with headspace as like, let's not start this tomorrow. Let's kind of talk about this. Let's let's work together. Let's figure this out. And I never had that access before. I don't feel like I really did. I felt like I had access to, it was kind of like you're under the gun. You have a timer. Make your point. Go. I have 40 minutes for this. And then we're going to have to have to go back and forth 65 times to get the next meeting. And now I feel that it's a little bit, there's more access available because of this. I mean, come on, I'm gonna be on Zoom today for six hours. I've been on like four hours already. I mean, it's, it's, this is it. I've never looked at myself so much in my life. No wonder people are getting depressed. But like, it, it's, it's, it, it's, it's a whole new world. And the access I think that's really making us as an agency more creative because we don't feel that we have to really rush to figure out the campaign or the client. Yeah. I feel like it's, there's a little bit more of a, 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 a the cadence is different. Um, it is, there's a thoughtfulness that I think that yeah. undercurrent of anxiety, <laughs> I, I guess that's a negative thing, but there is an undercurrent of anxiety, I think, with all of our clients, all of these brand leaders right now, 
um, of just what's coming. How do I deploy my capital, my talent, you know, in the best way possible. Um, and as, as difficult as that can be, it really is driving a higher level of conversation and openness, a willingness to be adaptable. Um, and, and I think you're right, more of a running dialogue um, that's a little bit more strategic, that's a little bit um, a little bit more impactful with their agency partners that is, is so, so helpful. And I hope that we retain some of that um, even after the pandemic has, has abated. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I mean, that's like, that would be an absolute dream. I, I feel that the campaigns that we are executing now are some of the most open-minded that we've had in a long time and the most specifically client uh, and user focused, I would say on a client focused, but rather than saying that 16 to 25 female California, it's now uh, nuanced in a way that it, it, the, the brand will see the results of the nuance and then like, oh yeah, more nuance. New, like you're living in the niches. You know what I mean? Like exactly. it's kind of, it really, it really is a, it really is a thing. Uh, Trisha, an absolute dream. Thank you so much uh, for- This was so fun, Chris. Thanks for having me on. It's a great oh, conversation. Great. Gonna, um, I'm obviously uh, in, the, in, this, in the description of this show, if you're listening to this on the podcast or is, if you're watching the um, video, um, we have Trisha's links in the description. But Trish, how can people find out more about you and team? Well, I would say you can always hit helloteam.com or check me out on social. I've always got content that I'm posting as well, which is why we're